Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Allison Langer. I'm Andrea Askowitz. This is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. Shit, shit, shit. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Today's show is about two things. One, a great way to tell a relationship story is to choose a subject or activity that's dear to the person you're writing about. And two, stories are puzzles. I think you have to tap into both sides of the brain to create a good story. I want to talk about like the um, binary idea that you're either a math person or an English person, which I think is totally false. I do think that some people are probably... They have strengths. They're better at one or the other. You are really good at math. And I feel like I'm equally good at both. Um, I think it enables me to be, be able to write stories and craft them. You know what the beauty of math is? Yeah. You need to ha- know how to calculate sales tax, if that's your situation. Square footage, maybe, if you're in certain businesses. Uh, or trying to rent something or pay for something. I don't know. But you don't need calculus and you don't need trigonometry and you don't need, you know, like all the shit we were shitty in at school in, we, we really got the basics. And so my brain works fine with that stuff. But you know what we need math for? Editing a story. How so? Because we need to be able to see the whole story. We need to be able to remember where each paragraph, think of it as a puzzle piece. We have to know where those paragraphs can fit. A story is a logic problem. And the story that we're talking about today, Kristen's story is about puzzles, but it is also a puzzle, the way she put it together. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I totally get it. I mean, math is about recognizing a formula and figuring out which formula to use. So in that case, yes. Yeah. I mean, I Um, guess I'm making, I'm stretching like logic is math, but... There's a mathematical equation in stories. I see it that way. I like it. Oh God, I asked Twitter this morning if, um, if they, I kind of posed this question on Twitter and I do want to ask our listeners, this is just an appeal to our listeners because a few people responded and it was like, are writers just math people or are writers right brain people or something like that? But I, I, want, um, I want to appeal to you listener to engage with us on social media. Just because it's fun and we're there, or at least I'm there. <laughs> and I want to know what you guys are thinking. I know Allison is making like the, the like, I'm a vomit face. You smelled something bad. Yeah. Right. I smell something bad. I know you hate social media. I don't love it, but I am engaged on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. And I want to know what our listeners are thinking and feeling. And I want to talk to you guys on social media if anyone wants to. I'm there. Kristen Paulson Wynn, one of our past students, wrote a story called All We Can Do is Sudoku. The story is about her father-in-law's love for the puzzle. Of course, the story is about so much more. What's awesome is that Kristen's story was published in the New York Times in the Crossword and Games section on June 24th, 2020. We'll be back with Kristen's story after the break. We're back. 
This is Allison Langer, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Here's Kristen Paulson Wynn with her story. My father-in-law and I have the house to ourselves. The sun coming through the skylight brightens the orange table. The table is one of many of his creations, among them a linguistics book, two daughters, and one son, Vin, who I married. My father-in-law, my brothers-in-law and I call him dad, studies a Sudoku. The top of his head is like my husband's. Both look like fried eggs, their baldness the yolk, their hair the egg whites. I've always been curious about Sudoku, I say. Will you show me? He nods. I'll teach you. Sudoku, he explains, is a game of numbers and logic. I must fill each row and column in each of the nine boxes with numbers one through nine with no repeats. See how I do it, Dad asks. He copies the puzzle from the newspaper onto blue-lined graph paper. You see, this gives me more room to work, he says. It also magnifies the numbers for his 86-year-old eyes, I think, but don't say. A decade before, at my wedding rehearsal dinner, Dad toasted, to the girl who knows more about Buddhism than any person I know. Tears came to my eyes. At 42, I didn't fit in. I thought it was too late to belong anywhere. But Dad welcomed me, maybe because we're both fighters and solution seekers. I fought through early rocky years with his son and never gave up. Dad battles end-stage lung cancer. There are only nine possible solutions in Sudoku. Maybe Dad finds something comforting in knowing the puzzle has a beginning, an end, and strictly defined limits. Perhaps the mental busywork required keeps him from thinking about his swollen face, one side effect of the experimental drug he's taking. I can't ask. He's a private man. Another side effect. Dad lost his sense of taste. This man who competed with his son over who could eat the most bonseo, Vietnamese rice flour crepes, at dinner. Who knows what he'll lose next? Will his tumor impair his brain function? I imagine it soothes Dad to tell himself a brain that can solve Sudoku can't also contain cancer. 81 fresh white squares wait for us to fill them. Soft graphite smudges the side of my left hand. Dad is so much more patient than I am. He keeps trying numbers. I try not to think about the shadow a doctor saw in Dad's lung x-ray more than a year ago. The doctor thought it was pneumonia. He doesn't want to socialize. All he wants to do is Sudoku, my husband reports one night not long after the diagnosis. He's just off the phone with his sisters. Dad and I go up and down the rows from left to right, searching for the number that will bring us closer to a solution. I wipe away the eraser's pink crumbs as he stands next to me, the way I imagine he did when he taught Vietnamese. Dad is methodical. When one drug stops working, he tries another. I try another number, a secret. I'm not here for the Sudoku. In the corner of each square, we pencil all the numbers that are possible. One, four, seven. When I solve my first number, Dad comes around the table, his eyes shining. You did it. Now try the next one. We circle the number to indicate our success. When I get stuck, he comes over and we work backward to find where I went wrong. There's nothing more wrong than a non-smoking marathon or getting lung cancer. When I complain my pencil is dull, Dad sharpens it. Maybe I feel happy and safe here, like a beloved child, because when my father died in 2011, I still had Dad. Now, three years after that afternoon, Cancer is a slightly more navigable maze of MRIs, CAT scans, and surgeries. 
Dad's condition is stabilized survival, an explanation that tells us nothing about how long we'll have each other. Perhaps the trick to life is to focus only on what's in front of you, all of it, the faint blue lines on the graph paper, the sun through a skylight, the numbers one through nine, and the surprise of belonging. This, ah, this hit me so like lovelyly. Is that a word? It is now. It's such a sweet, lovely story. And I hear it now as a story about belonging. It's, and that's how it landed. And then there was that moment when the father-in-law made that speech at her wedding about her knowing about Buddhism. And she felt so belong, like accepted by this guy. It's really sweet. Yeah, I, I loved knowing, I mean, I, it, unfortunately, that her own dad had died. You know, and because it really upped the stakes and it made me understand why she was drawn to this man and wanted to be a part of this family and stuff. She sort of touches on it when she says in 42 years, blah, 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 she never felt like she belonged. But here, you know, we really get it. And and I love that so much because aren't we all just humans who want the same thing? Love, health, belonging. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And what she did was used this specific puzzle to tell us so much about her relationship with her father-in-law who she calls dad and that's what's so cool about this story and it landed in a new york times column called solver stories i i don't know i just think that's so brilliant how how she narrowed in on that column in the new york times and used this one specific puzzle to tell this broader story she starts it right away with the scene. So she's in the kitchen and her dad, I'm just going to call him dad because she does. She's in the kitchen and and dad is studying Sudoku. It was so like obvious, not obvious, but it was like, I could tell that she was just like using that as an excuse to get close to him or to hang with him. And then she told us that later in the piece, secret, I'm not here for the Sudoku. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that was sweet. Um, You know, normally I'm not that keen on hearing a story about somebody else that I don't know that's not my narrator, you know, the narrator. But in this case, I really, really got into it because she made it personal and she, you know, drew her husband into the piece and she drew her family into the piece. She gave us just enough about herself to make me interested in this man's survival. And she didn't get into the bloody details. She just, you know, or the gory details. She just really kind of hit on it, his bloated face and um, his loss of taste and stuff like that, enough to make us, like, feel what she was feeling. And that's very well executed. I know. I think you're right. And it was such a short piece. But it is true. She tells us a lot about the dad and enough about herself coming into this family late feeling like she belonged right away and then feeling like she, the surprise of belonging, which is the last line. Really good. And then I also want to talk about how, um, what, like what we were talking about before, how like this is a puzzle. She's talking about a puzzle. She talks about the using lo- numbers and logic. It's what you need to do to figure out Sudoku but it's also what you need to do to figure out a story and how to craft a story. It's meta. 
I just like the end. I, you know, maybe the trick to life, because aren't we all looking for that too, is to focus on what's in front of us. And she comes to that at the end. She actually learns something. And that's the important part of the story, right? She's not just telling us about this terrible thing that's happening. She's made meaning of it and what she's learned from it. And that's brilliant. And that's why we, we listen. That's why we listen all the way to the end. And it's satisfying because we learn something too. Yeah, well done, Kristen. Kristen is the writing life editor at Hippocampus Magazine. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, Brevity, and Creative Nonfiction. She is at work on a memoir called To Have and to Hoard, How I Found Treasure in My Husband's Trash. That's a good title. Yeah, it is. To Have and to Hoard. Also, Kristen once was a student of Writing Class Radio. Oh, yeah, that was fun. She's great. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Kristen, for sharing your story. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Allison Langer, and me, Andrea Askowitz. Social media content is by Mia Pennekamp. Theme music by The Amadians. Additional music by Poddington Bear. There's more Writing Class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, stories to study, and editing resources. If you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button and check out the writing classes and publishing insight we are giving our Patreon supporters. For $10 a month, you get an all access pass to me. And with that pass, we will talk about where and how to get your stories published. For $25 a month, you get a writing class a week with Allison. Classes are on Tuesdays from 12 to 1 Eastern via Zoom. They are such a great, fun, awesome community and chance to write. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday, so listen for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world, and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.